All right, guys, before we jump into the show, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Solace Meds who have smoking hot deals for you right now, including Can America Gummies, 25% off, Strains Tinctures, 20% off, Rocking Cartridges, 25% off, and Glacier Concentrates, 20% off. The best part is you can take those deals and combine them with the deal DNVR20 to create a super discount, uh, which we always love. And, uh, you know, we call this the pre-roll ad. Well, they'll hook you up with a pre-roll, a King Cone or a Solace Bar if you use that code DNVR20. So hit up our friends over at Solace Meds. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com to find a location near you. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach Mace and the bar. Three for Mr. B. Couple with Breck, brew and a friend, bleed orange and blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DDNVR. We are DNVR. We are DNVR and we are live from the Losers Lounge. Oh, boo. <laughs> Uh, tough one out there for the Denver Broncos today. We are going to break it down. We're going to talk about who we blame most. We're going to talk about the injuries. We're going to talk about what this means about this Denver Broncos team. But first, a shout out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Um, a great place to go if you're looking to further your education. Uh, and of course, uh, MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So if you're looking to maintain a full-time job, while furthering your education, there is no better place to go than MSU Denver. My boy, Brian, <laughs> in times like these, we need our boys and our girls around that us. That is absolutely <laughs> true. We need the whole family here yep. today uh, because this is a uh, venting session, a, a time to commiserate, a time yeah. to, I think... Uh, level with everyone. Um, mm. I, I I'm not think. sure which way you're taking that. I, I uh, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> that in a second. Zach, I just want to start here as we always do. Your biggest blanket takeaway from this game. Ryan, the Broncos aren't ready to hang with the big dogs yet. Mm. And this isn't, this is a big dog. You know, 2 and one the Baltimore Ravens, always going to be a good team with Lamar Jackson. But, Ryan, let's not get this confused and think that the Baltimore Ravens are, you know, the favorite in the AFC. I mean, we talked about a couple weeks ago. You have Kansas City, you have the Browns, you have uh, the Bills. We put those three as kind of the top. And a couple weeks ago, we had we had Kansas City as the top. And then there's a whole— that I'd probably that's, take the Browns down a notch right okay, now. But okay, yeah. but, I mean, the Ravens aren't, like, in that category without a doubt. Their defense no. is taking a hit, and the Broncos just got— it handed to them in every facet today. Yeah, uh, and I completely agree with you now. Again, I'm sure the comments are going to blow up saying, injuries, injuries, injuries. It's it, it's all about the way this one felt. This felt terrible, and that's my biggest takeaway, is I don't blame any fan who is way down right now. Like, down real bad right now i mean people just got thrown back to last year they got thrown back to 2019 they got thrown back to 2018 2017 and especially those 2016 and 2017 teams ryan three and one start four and oh start 
and then things came crashing down quickly because of that history. Fans aren't as patient with the team when they lose a game. Right, and, and the the biggest thing that the fans are going to feel when it comes to this game is it felt so much like the old Broncos, mm. and and they're totally right. The feeling of this game, again, I'm talking big picture here. We are zooming way out, 30,000-foot view, or maybe just like the top of the 500 level. <laughs> it felt like last season. It felt like the year before. And I think, you know, the perfect way to describe it is a conversation I had with you right when you walked in. I said, how many times does it feel like the defense played terribly? And then you look at the score and you're like, 23 points should have gotten it done. Right. And I always say it, 24 points is the cutoff. You should score more than 24 every game and you should give up less than 24 every game. And if you get that done, obviously you go undefeated. So to <laughs> me... That's that's just something we've talked about so many times in the last, you know, and at five home, years. At home, yeah. you got to be able to take care of that. The fans were in the game until it got out of hand at the end. And, Ryan, it was just so much of a flashback. You even had a Garrett Bowles holding penalty near the end of the game. It was just all too real for these Broncos. And, of course, a lot of people, uh, just like last year, a lot of people pointing to the injuries where the Broncos just continued to get decimated by injuries throughout this game. Okay, so let's talk injuries. Um in your opinion, and I just I kind of know how you are about these types of things, <laughs> so I think I know what you're going to say. In your opinion, what percentage of this, and, and we'll go group by group here, what percentage of this falls on the lack of interior offensive linemen? Two guards out today, both starting guards. How much of this was that? Not that much. Not that much, Ryan. And the reason is, is the Broncos' interior offensive line play just simply hasn't been that good up till this point. Now, was it phenomenal in this game? No, it wasn't phenomenal. You, you know, Tani Muti gave up a sack. There was too much pressure on both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater when they were in the game. But then also, then on the flip side, Ryan, you run for 6.2 yards per carry uh, on the ground throughout the entire game. So it, it's hard to say that the entire offensive line was terrible when that happens. They were bad in some respect, but Natani Muti and Quinn Minerts did a good job for filling in for these two guys. We knew there was going to be a drop-off in play, but Ryan, you didn't have a drop-off in play in the running game. Yeah, and that's probably a different conversation, but let's go there. The one touchdown they, they scored today, um, the only drive that didn't end in a punt or turnover oh. is... I mean, they didn't even get a field goal chance. Nope. Um, the only one that didn't end in a punt or a turnover is, of course, the one where they run the ball, I believe, for 40 yards on the drive. 40 yards of rushing. And, of course, it's highlighted by a long carry from Javante Williams. Beast. Probably go down as the run of the year. Yep. Um, and after that, Zach, you might have the stat, but I would say less than 10 carries uh, for le less than 40 yards in the rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the Broncos just completely abandoned the run, and that's something that we'll talk about more later in the game, Ryan. Uh, but, I mean, what, what do you think the percentage is? How much blame should be put on the, these backup interior linemen? It's, I don't know, 25%. Uh, okay. I think that there is a very real world 
in which the Broncos have those guys and the offense looks competent. I don't think they win the game. So the loss, maybe it's smaller than that. I'll put it down to 10% of the losses because of that. But 25% of the offensive incompetency to me is a part of that. They were not able to protect. And that leads me into my next part, which I'll ask you, you know, more directly here in a second. Because they weren't able to protect, the Ravens said, okay, what is the strength of this Broncos receiving core? It's the outside guys. It's mm-hmm. the long passes down the field. It's, you know, stuff that requires protection to get to. And so I really think the Ravens said, okay, look, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, those are good players. But they're not going to crush you in the quick game. Um, you know, it's just not their strength. And that's what the Broncos needed today was quick game. And so what they said is, okay, we're going to bring big blitzes Mm -hmm. at Teddy Bridgewater and just not give him the opportunity. And Teddy, unfortunately, was off from the start. He did throw a perfect ball to Alberto, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But he didn't have a lot going for him in terms of the touch passes on the outside because I would have loved to see them just go over and over and over again to one-on-one matchups, take those guys, and, and give them a chance. You don't need a lot of time to throw a nine route. Um, or even, you know, the... the. I mean, shotgun one step. You, you turn your shoulders and you toss it. And you toss it up. I would have loved to see a lot more of that. But the Ravens clearly said, if we can take that away, the Broncos aren't going to have a lot to go to. And they were right. Um, so what percentage of this is on wide receiver injuries to you? <laughs> I mean... Because you still had those two outside guys, Ryan, and you utilized Noah Fant well, I'm going to say it's not it's not a big percentage here. Again, uh, because just Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick did not have the games that you need to have. Both of those guys, Ryan, three catches. Cortland Sutton, 47 yards, and Tim Patrick, 39 yards. You needed them, along with the quarterbacks, to have a way bigger performance. You absolutely did. Because, Ryan, you you weren't going to count on Deontay Spencer before he got hurt. You weren't counting on Kendall Hinton. You knew who your third receiver was, and it was Noah Fant. And the Broncos got him involved, led the team with 10 targets. In fact, had the most targets in the game with 10. What did he end up with receiving-wise? Six catches for 46 yards. So not the yards per catch that you would have wanted from him. 7.7. Aside from the Melvin Gore – or, sorry, the Javante Williams run that was just – 100% 100% individual effort. Like, I don't, I don't even know if I can give anyone else credit on that play. Uh, he got blown up in the hole, and then he bounced it out, and... And then he just carried people just, forever. Right. So no one else did anything. The Broncos created no explosive plays today. Nope. Nope. Their, their, their longest throw uh, was from Drew Locke near the end of the game. Garbage time. Seven. So their, their longest throw with Teddy... 19 yards, their longest run, the one we talked about, and then Melvin Gordon had a 14-yard run. But that's it. Just can't do it, especially when the Ravens are chunking you up left and right. Uh, And that was my biggest thing with the defense today is, again, I look at the scoreboard and I say, 23 should get it done. But it's all about feel, right, in this game. the way it It didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. Now, I liked the game plan. I gotta be honest. Um, they, I said they have to take away the run up the middle. They did that easily. Uh, there Held was the Ravens to three point four yards per carry. Ryan, if it wasn't for the Ravens trying to get that hundred yards at the very end, the Broncos would have ended their streak. Broncos couldn't stop it. Ravens get one hundred and two yards and continue their uh, NFL history <clears throat> longest streak. 
dumbest thing ever. <laughs> someone, honestly, I thought someone should have done something about it. Like a Bronco player? Yeah. For kind of running the score up in a way? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what are you going to do? Throw, give you a 15-yard penalty for shoving you someone? You, you don't want to do that, though. I mean, I'm not saying throw a punch. Okay. I'm not saying throw a punch. I'm saying shove someone. Let me get a little skirmish going. Yeah. Show a little backbone. I mean, it was... It, it was they, disrespectful. They were, yeah, they were running up the stats. And honestly, I'm not mad at the... I'm not really that mad at the Ravens for doing it. I'm um, not. It, it's lame, in my opinion. Um, but... And it's disrespectful. But I'm with you. Stop it. And it's the NFL. And so it's the who NFL. cares about disrespect? Right. I mean, Remember we talked about well, this with NFL, soccer a couple of years ago? Yes. And you were okay with teams running it up. I, again, I don't have a problem right, with them right. calling the play. I have a problem with the Broncos just letting it happen. Right, right. Yeah. Like, they deserved for Kareem Jackson to come in there like a missile and absolutely demolish Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. No. No, it, it didn't happen. It didn't. And, Ryan, a massive concern to me in this game was the game plan worked. They did. Yeah. The Broncos did what we said they needed to do, keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket. But then somehow Lamar Jackson just crushed you through the air, but crushed your defense, not just your secondary, your pass rush they destroyed. And to me, that is so concerning. What I really don't like is that it wasn't Lamar making like great tight window throws. He was, no. These, he looked uncomfortable in the pocket for a lot of the game. And he's throwing the ball like so unconventional. They're kind of wobblers and they're still being completed. Well, and he's throwing to wide open guys. Uh, you know, the throw to Marquise Brown, wide open. The throw, they're very lucky that it got called back. Uh, but the throw to Mark Andrews, I mean, you watch the replay, it's it's crazy to watch. Justin Simmons and uh, Kareem Jackson run right past him. Yep. They're running the opposite way of him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you How know, does just, this defense have so many wide open guys? That's the, that's what, that's the problem. Yep. And Justin Simmons said it after the game, there was some communication issues in the back end. Um, and he said, like, you can be good on 80% of plays, but... It, that is not nearly enough in the NFL. No, not not nearly <laughs> enough. But also, Ryan, why are they having communication issues? I, th I thought we had heard that this secondary has has been sharp, especially the safeties. And Ryan, that's where you're getting beaten, get, getting beat deep was the safeties. And Ryan, your best secondary player today was a rookie who yeah. uh, who who just came Wasn't in and did play. a fantastic, exactly, in did a fantastic health. job. He was awesome. Yes, uh, and that's our king of the game from DraftKings. King of the game, Caden Stearns, two sacks, a pass breakup, and he just does this thing where he flies. Mm -hmm. He legitimately yep. flies. Yep. It's a lot like uh, Kareem Jackson, and it's yep. a really cool yep. kind of um, uh, like understudy of Kareem Jackson, in yep. my opinion, yep. where he is a cannon. Mm -hmm. And on those blitzes, he was so effective. The Broncos finally realized, okay, we have to try something else because – uh, forcing Lamar to beating to beat us from the pocket right now is just getting us beat. Yep. Um, and so they had they changed things up. They started sending blitzes. Caden Stearns, it. fantastic. Ryan, the the Broncos' safety play has been tremendous over the past couple of years with Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. And you can even go back Darian Stewart, T.J. Ward. But one of the things that the Broncos have kind of missed from the safeties is big playmaking ability outside of Justin Simmons kind of the past two years. He's had that uh, in terms of interceptions. And you've had big hits from Kareem, but not necessarily game-changing plays. 
Caden Stearns is showing that he can provide that his rookie year when he's not even starting. He's just getting spot time here and there. The prospects of him moving forward are so exciting. Yeah, it's definitely one of maybe two bright spots in the whole game. I would say like Javante's one run. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he looked good just throughout the game, but especially on that one run. So I would say Javante was a bright spot and Caden Stearns was a bright spot. Those are two rookies. Yep. You can't have those two guys be the only two bright spots in a game that, for me, is the most disappointing because of how excited everyone was. Right. Uh, you know, we're at the tailgate this morning, and there's just so much positive energy around the Broncos, and people are so excited, and, you know, um, the town, like, just the city of Denver ready to explode. Mm -hmm. The crowd was so loud in there today. And that's the part that just kills the most is like they let them down. They hardly give them anything to cheer about um, other than like some third down stops. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really, really disappointing that the fans didn't get a better show today. And to me, that might be the most disappointing thing. And again, you look back two rookies, your two best players today. Yep. And how about this for the offensive? Just, just to show you how bad it was with four minutes left in the second quarter, Ryan, the Broncos had five punts. That was the most that they had had uh, in five straight games, their most five recent games, dating back to last year. So four minutes left in the second quarter. Then when the Broncos had eight punts, that was the most that they have had in the past 25 games. You have to go all the way back to when Brandon Allen was the quarterback. And then, Ryan, the Broncos end with 10 punts. It's the most in any game, not just Broncos game, the most in any game this year. That's how bad the offense was. They had 12 drives, one interception, 10 punts, and one touchdown. Wild. Just absolutely terrible. And it didn't really matter who the quarterback was. Teddy wasn't good when he was in. He led one touchdown drive. And Drew came in and uh, I guess proved that Vic Fangio made the right decision at quarterback. Because while Teddy wasn't good, Drew was even worse. Yeah. Uh, and that's... That's not what that's not what we wanted to be talking about. No, uh, especially because a that was no team. Well, that's what we were worried about though in training camp. Right. Especially going into it, is this a competition of bad or worse? Right. And in the first three games, it looked like no. Thank God it wasn't. Actually, in the preseason games, it looked like thank God this wasn't a you know pick your poison thing. Right. Today it really felt that way. And again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying midweek, where I'm saying like, man, I wish the Broncos got a middle test. Before they got this test, because I think the Ravens are a really good football team, like a Pittsburgh team, you right? Wish that was this week. Level, instead? Yeah, one yeah. step up, and yep. you know, but <laughs> yeah. they they got enough gifts from the schedule gods. That's probably asking <laughs> a little bit too much. Um, we have some super chats to get to. You want to go before or after the break? Let's hit let's hit the break really quick. All right. Uh, of course, we want to remind you uh, that while the game wasn't awesome, the tailgate was. Oh my god! Uh, you could pop in, right, guys? Right. <laughs> there we go. Got some uh, some tailgaters have made their way. So up awesome here to, watch to see the show. everyone out there too. I know, appreciate it. Uh, the tailgate was really fun. The party bus was amazing, mm -hmm. and uh, you got an opportunity to do it in a couple of weeks for the Raiders game. Which again, you know, could be a four and one team, and we'll be back on the positive vibes train, and the excitement will be all back and ready to go again. Um, so it, it was an absolute blast. Make sure you get your tickets for that. You'll have multiple weeks now to do it, and maybe. 
Maybe we do end up doing two buses for that one. So oh, that'll be, really that'd be cool. a blast. And Ryan, Breck brews were flowing everywhere at the time. I mean, we got buckets of Breck brews. Pretty much everyone double fist in there. And, of course, you had good company to go with your great company. And, of course, the good company is those delicious Breck seltzers. Breck lemonades out there mm -hmm. also had normal good companies. And you can't go wrong with whether you want lemonade seltzer, seltzer, Breck beer. And you can also get that down here at the DNVR bar. We got some people getting some member-sized beers here as we speak because Ryan, Broncos are still three and one. There's still reason to celebrate. Maybe, maybe reason to uh, to, to sad drink tonight after <laughs> the game. But the bar is always here, and there'll always be Breck Brews. Absolutely, and also always there for you, a Chevalier Mortgage. Uh, it's a weird time to be buying a home, uh, but Mike and Virginia will take care of you. They'll take in your full financial picture, and they'll make sure that you make the right decisions for you. You can call Mike and Virginia at 303-257-6578 or visit DNVR Mortgage. Dot com. Again, they'll take care of you. They'll take in your full financial picture. They'll make sure that you are in the right position and, and get a house that's right for you. Uh, so hit them up, Mike and Virginia Chevalier. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. And Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, Ryan, shall we hit some super chats right now? Let's do it. Let's go to the stream. And first one we got coming in. From Brandon, he says, it felt like the offense gave up after Teddy didn't come back. Ryan, did you feel that way? No, but there was some weird, like, uh, body language out there uh, across the board. One, there's, like, a throw on third down to Cortland Sutton where he just doesn't really look. And Drew's like, what are you doing? And he doesn't even talk to Drew. Like, he just walked, just walked to the sideline and didn't really, like, you normally see two players come together and they, you know, hash it out. But the worst body language, I don't know if you saw this on the broadcast, was Pat Shermer. Who, oh, no. After, I think Drew takes, like, on the second play out there, Drew takes a sack or something along those lines. And they cut to Pat Shermer in the booth, and he just looks. Was he giving an Urban Meyer? So you're, like, falling down, crumpling over? Kind of. It was just this, like, <sighs> type of thing <laughs> that I was like, oh, no, this is yeah, bad. Yeah. This is not good. So I don't think. I don't think that, you know, they gave up by any means, but I do think Teddy has assumed a position as the leader of this football team. Without a doubt. And without him, they were a little bit lost out there. So, Ryan, the offense was, was not good in the first half with Teddy. We've established that. But would you say that Drew's last drive where he got him down into the, into the end zone through that pick to end the game was garbage time? And, yeah. And we don't have to count that. And the, it was garbage the way so it finished. So there were four drives before that that Drew led the offense. Guess how many net yards the Broncos had? Four drives, almost an entire half of football. Uh, 40. Nailed it right on the head. 40, <laughs> 40 yards yeah. in four drives. That's one first down. That's getting you from the 25 to the 35. You're not even setting your, yourself up for good field position uh, for, for your defense. That's, yeah. that's abysmal. Yeah, and, and Sam Martin, some good, some bad. I mean, I uh. guess you get 10 reps, you're going to have some good. <laughs> yeah. But – He's clearly not like a top tier NFL no. punter, and no, um, even even with the benefits of mile high. But even when the Broncos did get good field position, they went backwards. Yep. So you know the offense was very clearly the biggest problem today. Sam Martin averaged forty nine yards a punt. Well, because he had a sixty eight yard. That's punt. true. That's true. <laughs> um, okay, let's get into. Oh, let's actually finish off these super chats. Next one from Steven, who says, uh, "Hated every ounce of that. Williams had a fun run, but that was the only plus for today. Love y'all." Uh, love you too, and yeah, I mean, I think we I think we need to throw one more person who's not a rookie into the did well today, and, okay. and that's Melvin Gordon. 
Uh, he, w he was half of the running game. Javante had the big run, averaged 6.9 yards per carry. Melvin had a 14-yard run and ended up with 6.2 yards per carry. Yeah. That, that, was, that was a bright spot. Well, actually, th there were two bright spots, the running game and the run defense. I mean, it, we, we said you had to control the, the Ravens' running attack, and they did. They averaged 3.4 yards per, per run on the Broncos. Yeah, and again, I think they really executed their game plan, which was take away the run, make Lamar beat you with his arm, when you do that, you have to get pressure, but they were scared to they get too not. much pressure early because yeah. they didn't want to, you know, allow him to break runs off. Yep. Um, and you have to cover on the back end, and they didn't do either of those things. Nope, they certainly did not. And we have one more super chat coming in from from Cyclops. He says, "People said let Lamar throw, and we win. Well, he did. Yep, he did, and it's all credit to him." Yep. Uh, Lamar was absolutely held in check. He only had seven rushes for 28 yards of four yards per carry. If I would have told you that before the game, I think we both would have said, absolutely, you take that and run with it. The over-under was 68 yards for Lamar on the ground over at DraftKings Sports, but Broncos held him to half of that. We just didn't know that he was going to go out there and throw for over 50% more than his, his, his passing yards, where they were 200, 200 and a half were his passing yards uh, over under at DraftKings Sportsbook. He goes for 316. And, Ryan, that may be my, my biggest concern from this game. You're right. The defense wasn't bad at the end where they only give up 23 points. But holy cow. I mean, how scary does it look? You're going up against Ben Roethlisberger, who we know he can put up 500-yard games even when he's playing bad. Derek Carr is averaging 400 yards per game right now. What's he going to do? I mean, he's probably licking his lips right now, which is just crazy to say about this Broncos team where – that's the strength of this team going into the year. That's the strength of this team going into this game is is the pass defense because of the pass rush and the secondary, and they were just they were burned today. Yeah, I will say the difference between Lamar and those two guys is his, his running ability. So I think you'll see more pass rush in those games. You'll see the Broncos not as afraid to blitz. Eventually the Broncos said, all right, screw it. Lamar's crushing us when we give him time, so now we have to blitz him, and just if he, if he starts running on us, well – Maybe he's just unbeatable, but and he didn't. Um, so you'll see them try to tee off on Ben next week, uh, and then we'll see against Derek Carr. We know that they play him a little different. Maybe Derek Carr tries to show off that he's a running quarterback tomorrow against the Chargers in order to get that Vic Fangio <laughs> defense from him. Yeah, I don't think he'll be thinking that way. <laughs> but, Zach, for a long time in this game, I was sitting there thinking, man, it, this doesn't feel good. But the entire difference in this game right now for a long time was – Hollywood Brown makes a diving touchdown catch yep. and Albert O has a touchdown ball go right through his hands. Yep. And perfect throw from Teddy, probably his best throw of the day. He goes right through his hands. He's wide open. If, if he catches it, I think without having to overextend, he walks into the end zone. And then again, Marquise Brown makes the play. So let's get into the blame game here. How much do you blame that specific drop? for kind of the way things unfolded after that. A lot. Uh, a lot, Ryan. That would have given the Broncos a touchdown on their very first drive. They would have got the lead. And what have we been told about this Broncos team, uh, man? Yes. Just get them the lead, and they're going to win the game. And that did not happen on the very first drive. And, Ryan, Alberto may be the nicest human being on the Denver Broncos team. Him and Teddy Bridgewater right up there. But these mistakes have to stop happening. It's either a fumble or a big drop feeling like every single game right now. And he's a guy that the Broncos are really relying on down to two receivers. And now they're really down to two receivers. I mean, you have David Moore who signed with the team five days ago, 
who's in there playing a ton of receiver. They would way rather rely on Albert O and Noah Fant, and they did rely on Noah Fant. But look, they targeted Albert O in that first drive. He only gets one target after. One target Drew. for the rest of the game. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow because you, you know, as you see in the rest of the game, you, get those, you only get those opportunities once in a while. Especially in the NFL, there are just not big play opportunities sitting out there for you all the time. And when you make the play from, a, from one side of it, every, you know, they pick up the protection, the route is right, the throw is right, and you don't make the play, it can just be so detrimental to you throughout the game. So the loss is not on Albert O, but there's very much a world where we live in where he makes that play. And the entire course of the game is altered. And then you look. Let's say let's say the the rest of the first half stays the same way, Ryan. The Broncos would have a 14 point lead, and then maybe your approach to facing Lamar changes a little bit, and he's not able to go for 300 in the air because you adjust because you know that they need right. to throw the ball. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, where else are you looking to blame this? Well, let me let me ask you this. Do you blame the players in this game more or the coaches? Mm, well, Ryan, we look at that stat line of the rushing attack. 106 yards on 17 carries. Ryan, in the first in that touchdown drive, right after the touchdown drive, which they scored with about 14 minutes left in the second quarter. So, so much of the game left. They had 11 rushes. The rest of the game, so pretty much three full quarters, they ran the ball six times. Six times when you were averaging 6.2 yards per carry and you only had one big run so it's it's not like you had an 80 yard run and then a 16 other runs that got you 20 yards no you're running the ball well and especially what's natani muti good at is he good at pass blocking or run blocking much better at run blocking and what's easier for quinn minors coming in in his very first start trying to you know in the words of uh, Marshawn Lentz, run through a MFer's face. Yeah, block a t- <laughs> run through a tree, right? Yes. W- w- which he has done before. Uh, and so I have to, I have to put this uh, on the coaching staff. Now, obviously, the execution was not there as well, but 6.2 yards per carry, and you run the ball 17 times. And on top of that, you have a backup quarterback come in for an entire second half, and you run the ball. Let me see how many times they ran the ball in the second half. They ran it twice in the third quarter, and they ran it twice in the fourth quarter. They ran the ball four times in, in a game where it was not out of hand coming out of halftime. It was, nev- it was literally halftime. never more than a two-score game. No, it was it was 17-7 to seven coming out of halftime. Yeah, so w- when we go through an NFL weekend, there's always so many games where you say, man, what happened in that one? You know, because some team that was favored gets smoked. Um, I don't know what the final score was, but, like, I looked up today when I got to the tailgate and the Bears are beating the, the Lions 21-0. And I think what maybe people don't uh, grasp as much when it comes to why those things happen, it's normally because of game plan. One team came with a really good game plan and one team came with a really bad game plan. That is usually what causes blowouts in the NFL. Now, like, the Broncos blowing out the Jets – it's not as much about game plan as it is just about talent. Mm-hmm. But the talent gap in the NFL usually isn't that big. When teams get blown out in the NFL, it usually has to do with game plan. And I think the, that the Broncos coaches failed them with the game plan today. Now, again, I mostly mean that on the offensive side of the ball because I don't know if there's that many winning game plans on defense against Lamar Jackson. He's an MVP. He's a guy who makes plays. I think they had the right game plan today. 
And maybe on the defensive side of the ball, it was more execution-based um, by right. the players. Right. On the offensive side of the ball, I think it's more on the coaches. So I yeah. guess I'm splitting uh, down the middle there. Just fair, though. Because I do think they 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 at least they did what I said the game plan should be uh, for Lamar Jackson. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they just didn't do what was working. You know, I, I tweeted about this after the drive in which they just gashed him up and down the field running the ball and scored a touchdown. The very first play, they came out and empty. Yep. And I was just like, this is of all times to come out to go out and empty. Yep. You know, I go back and I'm not like an empty hater. Um, where you know, going five wide, I, I'm not someone who th who thinks that's like a cardinal sin by any means. But when you just hurt them so much in the run, I'm not even against throwing the ball on first down. I'm against not making them think about how you just beat them. So you don't even have to go play action. But just having a running back on the field at least makes those linebackers think a little bit. When you go five wide, it's obviously going to be a throw every single time, if, if not a quarterback draw. So to me, it was just like, man, do what works. Um, then, you know, when Drew came out, on the first drive, he has two completions over the middle of the tight ends. I think they were out of RPOs. I have to watch to know for sure. Um, but they, they went away from that after that. Yep. It felt like they really struggled, Pat Shermer specifically, in – keeping momentum rolling based off of what's working yeah well initially on that in that first drive when they started to get a little momentum with drew ryan they were doing things drew did well quick one read decisive plays and then that kind of went away maybe it's because the ravens adjusted really quickly to it because they had the book on him it just took him a series to whip it out and and, and show it uh and, and so i think that exposed drew and pat Shermer for, for calling that poorly and when you look ryan the pat the, the first three weeks of the season teddy Fantastic. You could, he could put the team on his back, and he was doing that because the running game was struggling, the offensive line was struggling. Today, not the day to put the team on his back, and he made it very clear. In the first half, in the first quarter, they were struggling. He finished throwing 43% completion, drew 57% completion. This game should not have been put on the quarterback's shoulders, and you should have adjusted that, especially on first and 10 when – what happened on third down? For you to go 3 of 14 on third down, which is terrible, it's because you were in third and long all the time. What happens if you get six yards on a first down because you run the ball and you get your 6.2 yards? It's going to be really hard to get a third and long unless you're sacked, which the Broncos did have five of those today. But you just set yourself up for a position to avoid those third and longs, and that's what Vic pointed to uh, in terms of why the Broncos were so bad on third down was third and longs, and you just continued to put yourself in that position all game. So you mentioned the quarterbacks. And I think they are the last, you know, place where you point the finger here. How much of this game was on poor quarterback play? And again, I'll just lump the two guys into one quarterback because I don't think there was any really noticeable difference between them. So here we go. Here are the stats. 51% completion. Brutal. That really knocks Teddy down from where he was at. He was on pace to join, like, the elites in NFL history if he had a fourth straight game of 75% completion. Nowhere close to that today. Almost half of that. So 51% completion for the two of them. 178 yards. And again, let's take off about 70 of those for going into that last drive. Broncos had 90 passing yards. I was going to say, they weren't going <laughs> to... The Broncos had 94 rushing yards and 90 passing yards. That going, is yeah. terrible. Five sacks, some on the offensive line, some on the quarterbacks. Uh, one touchdown, of course, that was Teddy. One interception, that was Drew at the very end of the game. And it combined 62.7 passer rating. Ryan, Vic said it well after the game. He said protection issues, 
fall in this game fall on the offensive line they fall on the tight ends they fall on the running backs and they fall on the quarterbacks and none of those units were good yeah and I think he actually points out what was going to be my final wrap-up of this whole thing this you know you talk about a great team win this was a bad team loss yeah I mean just across when the you board. mentioned special teams yet how about uh, that kick return which absolutely killed them changed the game yeah brutal I mean, yeah. just when you need special teams to step up in the worst way possible, they do. And, and just, I mean, you know, that that reminded me of the end of half management. Yep. Um, you know, everyone's freaking out about Vic not calling a timeout there. Well, we found out why Vic wasn't calling a timeout. Why? Because he didn't trust his offense to move the ball at all, and yep. he was right. Yep. Because they couldn't. They went three and out, and they gave the ball back, and then they gave up a score. Yep. Um, so it's, it's a team loss, like a really – deep team loss but the quarterbacks are always going to be who you count on the most 90 passing yards going into the fourth quarter of an nfl game or going into the final drive sorry of an nfl game does not will never work you better be you better be rushing like the ravens you better be rushing for 200 plus yards tim tebow yes. bronco like <laughs> yes. that's the only team i know that wins you know throwing yep. the ball for under 100 yards yep. in today's nfl yep i mean that's not even today's nfl you yep. know that's a long time ago so yep. The quarterbacks, I think, are a big problem, but it's hard for me to point the, the finger in any one direction, uh, except for maybe to the Ravens, who I think were just really good. Um, they did all the things that made the Broncos quarterbacks uncomfortable. They were getting pressure at a high rate. Um, the corners on the outside weren't getting beat badly. They were holding their own in man coverage, and, uh, and so they did a great job, but this is a cross-the-board team loss. Everybody... Uh, you know, whatever the opposite of a game ball is. Everyone gets one except for Caden Stearns, uh, you know, Javante Williams, and I guess Melvin Gordon. Concern level, Ryan. Is it is this one game? Because what was interesting, Ryan, is in the post-game press conferences, the mood you could not feel like it was a 3 and one team. This this felt bad. It yeah. felt like they they were just beat down, and it felt like they knew this was our first test. And boy, did we swing and miss. I want to talk about that in a second. We do have a couple Super Chats. Let's get to those before the break. From Zach Castro, the homie, he says, on to the next. Uh, learn from today and move on. You know, that's pretty much what Vic said today. He almost said on to Cincinnati, except the Broncos are playing Pittsburgh. So he said, we're on to Pittsburgh. I mean, the most Bill Belichick quote you can get. And I guess that's that's what you have to take. That's the approach you have to take. Obviously, the Broncos are going to look at this tape tomorrow, then completely move on. Ryan, there was uh, there was a chance that the Broncos were going to have a uh, uh, I'll see you Wednesday approach if they had won this game. And what that means is Vic was going to give them two straight days off because this was going to be a big win. Everyone knew how big this game was, and there's no see you Wednesday. It's we'll see you bright and early tomorrow. Yeah, they better get in there tomorrow. Yep. Uh, another one from Zach. He says, we need to play week to week. We are 0-1 this week. It sucks. But next week is a new week. That's kind of perfect leading into our next conversation, Ryan. Yes. And, of course, we also have to have a conversation about Hassle Cattle Company. Oh, tell me about uh, it. The absolute best affordable Wagyu beef out there. They'll send it straight to your door. We love it so much we carry it here in the bar. Yep. Uh, you can get a Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef burger. Uh, you can get it with you know jalapenos and cream cheese mm -hmm. on there, mm -hmm. green chilies and cream cheese. You can get an onion ring. Yep. You know, uh, so there's one that has onion ring, a little barbecue sauce on it. Stop. They're I, all... have, I haven't had food in a while, Ryan. You're killing me. <laughs> you had to eat that crabby press box food. <laughs> yeah. uh, you got to love Hassle Cattle Company. You got to love the fact that they'll give you 10% off Every single time you order, if you use the code DNVR10, and of course, 
free shipping if you go over two hundred dollars and you're Ooh. you know you can throw it in the freezer you're yep. gonna want two hundred dollars of yep. this stuff yep yeah absolutely will and ryan something else that we put our stamp of approval on here at dnvr strava craft coffee we've got strava craft coffee on tap here and if we put our stamp of approval on it, it means it is good for your house as well. We've all got it in our house. Wake up to it every day. It keeps me going throughout the day. And a great thing about Strava is it's got that CBD infusion. So you get the ca- caffeine, get up, and you also get the benefits of CBD, which helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on and can help relieve, including some people say it gets rid of the coffee jitters. Mm. So you can drink as much of it as you want without <laughs> I, getting jittery. I don't recommend that. <laughs> it's a risky game to play, but you can do that, and you get 25% off your first order of Strava Craft Coffee using the code DNVR25. You'll get 25% off. And then subscribe, and you'll get 20% off every time after that. Finally, a shout-out to DraftKings. If you see my eyes wandering at all while we're on the show, it's we got a little action on the game here, a little action on we Sunday Night Football. Do. Oh, yeah, what do you know? Um, Tom Brady going into New England? How could you not? Yeah. How could you not? And I love DraftKings, but Ryan, I, I think everyone was wrong on this line. I, I got to think New England gets destroyed. We will see. It's, uh, it's, it's off not to looking an, like it right yeah, now. Yeah, it's off to an interesting start. Um, Tom looked a little overamped early. But anyways, mm. all these games are a little more fun. Maybe he's drinking coffee without the CBD. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah. I don't think he would ever do that. <laughs> no, oh. no. Uh, anyways, uh, it's always a little more fun when you have some skin in the game. So hit up our friends at DraftKings. And right now, when you sign up, and use the code DNVR, you can bet $1 on any NFL market and get $150 in free bets, which is a great way to start off your career. You know, $25 here, $25 there. Uh, Figure out what you like. Build up that account. It's awesome over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And also you can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when you use that code DNVR. Uh, of course, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. The deposit bonus requires a 25X playthrough and restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. You got to go quick. I'm, it, it, Tom's heating up. Ryan, I mean, we were talking about how this game just r- reminds us of last year. In the last five years, in the comment sections, even feeling that. We have someone blaming this on Elway right now. So, I mean, boy. It is his team. One loss in this. This just feels like we are we are back in the dark ages. Yeah, are we? No, we're not. Concern level there? There is a high concern level. Um, you can't overlook the way that that game looked and felt. But I do think that you can make enough... Hey, I'll just use the word excuses. You can make enough excuses to where you can say, okay, but this team is 3-1. and one. They're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers next week, who are not the Pittsburgh Steelers of old. Now, it's never easy yep. uh, to go across there and, you know, and play in the terrible towels and all that stuff at Heinz Field. I agree. They are 0-2 there. Exactly. So they're not the same team they once were. It's not the same threat it once was. So get a couple things figured out this week. Get, a, a, you know, a Dalton Reisner back on the line. Go win that game. You're four and one. The worst case scenario is you come back and you're four and two. Um, And so, you know, it's you should be concerned because to not look at that game and come away saying like, uh, okay, well, this was a prove it game and they proved absolutely nothing. But to me, this is why the three and zero start was so imperative because we were saying like, hey, you will not only will you build some room for error by starting three and zero, but you'll also, you know just give yourself time to build each one of those games they should have been getting better today they took a step back go get a win next week take a step forward again then you take you play the Raiders at home Uh, with all due respect to the Raiders I just think it's a different team than the Ravens even though they beat them Um, it's 
there's a, it's a different style of team where, to me, they don't pose as big of a threat against these Broncos. Ryan, there, there's two ways to look at this conversation. The first is, we said if the Broncos win this game, people will be putting them in the Super Bowl contender conversation right now just because they're 4-0. They beat the bad teams. They beat the good teams so far on their, on their roster or on their schedule. Uh, why can't we go, go to that conclusion? That has been completely knocked away. I don't think anyone can say that after this game, and so that's fair. But I don't think going into this season, Ryan, we weren't expecting the Broncos to be Super Bowl contenders. We weren't even expecting them to be competing for the AFC West division title. We were expecting, uh, we, we said if they're competing at the end of the season for playoffs and make it in the playoffs, that's a successful season. That yeah. is still there. That is very much still there with their 3-1 and one start. And, Ryan, there's a chance they're still at the top of the AFC West if the Raiders lose tomorrow. Now, it's obviously very tough. Chiefs are only going to be a game behind them. The Chargers, if they end up winning tomorrow, they're going to be tied with the Broncos and the Raiders atop the AFC West. But you're still very much in the thick of it. So concern level on one hand, yeah, you're, you're not one of the best teams in the AFC, at least as of this week and what we know through the first month of the season. But – you're still okay when it comes to your year goals that you had. Speaking of in the thick of it, coming to you from Empower Field at Mile High, right in the thick of it, it's our guy Andrew Mason. Mace, where's your concern level at after that game? I mean, like Zach said, I think it's apparent this team isn't a contender for anything big. I mean, it's not a Super Bowl contender. It's probably not an AFC title contender. I mean, if you're going to look at some of the early games, Take a look at Buffalo. That's what a contender looks like right now. And the Broncos aren't there. Are they a contender for a playoff spot? Are they still in that for in in that fringe playoff territory? Absolutely they are. I think the thing that we kind of learned among other things is that as I get further from it is I think we finally saw this team reach a point where they where the injuries actually cost them. I mean, you could everybody can kind of get by with an injury here, an injury there. But on the offensive side especially, when you combine losing the speed threat of K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy with losing both of your guards and having to go with young players on the interior, you finally reached the point where it snapped. It had been bending and bending, and finally it broke. So until you start, get, until you start getting Glasgow, Reisner, Judy back, I think you're going to continue to see similar struggles for the offense no matter who's at, who's at quarterback. Okay, Mace, I think that's that that's a great point and something that I want to get to because we know how much of an, an excuse and legitimate but also an excuse mm -hmm. injuries were for this team last year, especially early. However, they weren't playing the fully healthy team. The Baltimore Ravens had 14 guys on the injured reserve coming into this game. The Broncos didn't have that many. The Broncos had a lot of injuries and so, some key ones. I mean, missing eight starters is huge. But, again, it wasn't like you were playing a Baltimore Ravens team that, that was totally healthy. And so how much do you rely and, and weigh these injuries as excuses that they can use moving forward uh, or that are legitimate? Well, I think it's legitimate. But I also think that when you step back and it back ends, Baltimore is operating from a higher norm than the Broncos are when they're, when they're healthy. And of all the players that Baltimore has lost, they didn't lose the most important one. And that's uh, and that's Lamar Jackson. And if they lost him, I think you'd be talking about something entirely different. But ball, Baltimore is operating from up here. They're a legitimate contender. Broncos are kind of starting from down here. Right. So they're just two teams that aren't on the same level right now. Baltimore is experienced, perennial playoff team. Look, if the Broncos 
do sail in through the back door and they're a six or a seven seed, there's a decent shot they might have to play them again in January. And uh, That's what Vaughn if, said today. Yeah. What? That's what Vaughn said today. Yeah. He said, we'll be seeing them again. And I like the well, confidence. Yeah, yeah it, I like the confidence. I don't think that uh, people are going to expect the Broncos to win it unless Lamar Jackson is out. But it, it, it's kind of it, it's kind of trending toward that. And that's, and that's why like we were asking, you know, is this team for real? Is it not for real? Are we going to know after this game? I, mean, I think this team is for real as, like you said, and like George Payton said, one that's going to play relevant games in November and December. And could this team be still be 7-3 and three at the bye? Absolutely. It's not hard to envision that. You, you lose this game, but should they be a decided underdog against the Steelers? Probably not. I think that game's basically a coin flip next week in Pittsburgh. So if that's the, if that's the case, they can get back on their feet quickly. But I think at least for the moment, the big, big dreams that I think were percolating throughout Broncos country if they could have won this game, I think it's time to put those on the back burner and say that probably the reality is that they're a good team they should be in the playoff race the entire season, but they're not on the level in the AFC of Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore, and uh, maybe even the Chargers if, if they prove to be for real. Yeah, this is a little bit of a wake-up call for me personally because, you know, going into this season, I kept saying, I'm in prove-it mode, I'm in prove-it mode, I'm in prove-it mode, and I felt like they had proved to me something mm -hmm. you're getting sucked in yep yep yeah. and i think after this game i have to like go back i have to go back into prove it mode and saying okay i'm not gonna fully buy in mm -hmm. until this team shows that they can have competent quarterback play and competent offense in a game that is a you know a legit challenge to them and a legit challenge to the average nfl team so i think i took a step back one thing that worried me mace and zach <laughs> you you listened to the uh, press conference as well yeah. I was I was worried about the vibes of this team after the game, and just the same way that the fans had a similar vibe to the last few years, I kind of felt like, hearing what little I did of the press conferences, that the team kind of felt like it was a lot of what they've seen over the last few years, and, and just the way that they felt after the game actually ended up making me feel more uncomfortable. Am I right in my assessment of that? I think that's probably spot on, and... Um I don't want to turn this into a Drew versus Teddy thing, but I wonder how the second half would have turned out if Teddy had stayed in because we've heard so much and observed so much about what kind of leader Teddy Bridgewater is. And I think when he left, it kind of felt like the heart was ripped out of this team a little bit and not knowing whether he's going to be back for next week. Now, Vic, Vic sounded optimistic about about Teddy because he talked about how he uh, looks to be already on the mend and doing better even in after the second half of the game. But I do I do kind of look back at that second half and wonder if that would have turned out any differently if it had been Bridgewater out there because it seems like this team draw, does draw a lot of confidence and inspiration from number five that with all respect to Drew Locke, they just don't draw from him. Yeah, and, and just, just to draw a little more off that Teddy thing, uh, Teddy told Vic after the game that he was feeling better as the day went on, which, I mean, for a concussion, I guess is really good news if literally an hour and a half after it happens, he's already feeling better. But 
you still won't have Teddy be able to practice this week until way later in the week. Mm -hmm. I believe he wouldn't be able to be a full participant if everything goes the right way until Friday. So, I mean, that is, regardless of what it is, that's impacting you for this next week. And Drew said after the game that he's preparing like he's the starter here. So if it wasn't bad enough having the quarterback competition in camp, now you're just going to have a lot more quarterback drama, up-in-the-air drama throughout this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might, but I would also say this. Like, if, if Bridgewater can be full go by Friday, if things are trending that way, he can still do walkthroughs up to that point. And that's where I imagine if it looks like it's headed in that direction, you would see Vic and Pat Shermer hopefully alter the practice schedule, alter what they do day-to-day -day a little bit, and maybe do uh, more of the install type stuff on Friday and kind of and wait until then until he's out there. So there are, there, are th there are ways that you could kind of work around that if Teddy isn't available full go until Friday to make sure that he was, he was ready. But bottom line, I think one thing we kind of can, can say distinctly from today is that uh, uh, if, if Bridgewater is healthy he's, and is cleared, he's going to play. I don't, I don't think they're going to hesitate on putting him uh, back in there. I don't think they're going to say, okay, we'll let Drew have this week. I think uh, they, they need Teddy, and uh, they'll make sure he's out there. If he's yeah, while, while, the quarter, while the play wasn't really that different between them, at least through my eyes, mm -hmm. uh, it did feel like a team that was a little bit lost without their leader out there, and that's understandable uh, with what we know, like you said. When after about the game, Ryan, that, that, like you said in the press conferences, everyone kind of felt dejected. And it felt yeah. more than just one loss. That's why I was saying it didn't. It didn't feel like a three and one team after the game. No, it really didn't. It, it felt like a multiple loss, loss, which it shouldn't. Um, and and it, and that's again what worried me is I just didn't like the, the feeling of dejection from those guys. Like Vaughn, it just sounded like Vaughn after like finding out they missed the playoffs again. You know, like he was so down in the dumps after that game. Yeah. And uh, I would have. He's loved the one who said it was a playoff game, right? I mean, yeah. that's the thing. And that's the danger in putting too much on a week four game. And, and, and so maybe they're, they're going to have to kind of to gear shift and, uh, and, get, and get back on track here in the next few days. Because, look, uh, and we, we had talked about this briefly earlier in the week. Yeah, if you lose to Baltimore and beat Pittsburgh, maybe your ceiling isn't as high, but you're still in the same spot. Four and one is four and one, no matter how you get it, even – even if you you say, okay, well, you lost the best team that you faced. Pittsburgh is no slouch at home, and they're going to be a desperate team coming back to Heinz Field next week. So just because they're 1-3 and three and Ben Roethlisberger looks to be very near the end of his career, it doesn't mean that going out there and winning doesn't mean something and isn't a, isn't a positive. And then, it give, and, then you, and then you know what? If you take care of business in Pittsburgh next week, you got another chance the week after that against a good Raiders team coming in to get that, that, that win. So hopefully they can get past this, and, and this, this doesn't linger. It shouldn't linger, but again, when you have Vaughn saying things like it's like a playoff game, you know, you, you, I think it's right to be concerned about that. And, that's the, and that is the danger in putting too much on a game so early in the campaign. Mace, take us through just a couple other of the notable quotes uh, that you heard from the press conferences after the game. Yeah, let me just go get my uh, get my notes here. When you're quick. when you're pulling that up, Mace, uh, yeah. B1 a Beast says uh, Juwan James after the game threw up a little uh, devil face on Twitter. Oh, oh man, God. that is some salt 
and the wound for Broncos. It's hard for me not to curse, but I'll just say, give me a you-know-what break. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I... What, what is that? You're dunking on a three and one team because they lost. Like, what's... and and he's not playing because he's with the he's with the Ravens now. Uh, but he's not playing. He's on the IR. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Anyways, well, Mace. Yeah, it's it, it is the injury that he had while he was still a Bronco. That all the uh, and then all, all the stuff went down. Um, couple of things. Vic Fangio and I want to get your guys' take on this. The uh, the Hollywood Brown touchdown where there was appeared to be a major coverage bust between the safeties. Fangio said, quote, it was more technique, unquote, than, cover, than uh, blown coverage. What did you guys think of that? Uh, I can't remember whose side it was on. I think Vic's actually right. Um, I think, uh, I want to say it was Kareem, just turned mm-hmm. the wrong way as Hollywood was coming out of his break. He thought he was going to go to the corner, and he went to the post. It was Kareem. And so it was Kareem. He just got mm-hmm. kind of spun around, and once that happened, it was game over. Yep. Um, so I actually think he's right. But, you know, when you're playing two high safeties like that, mm-hmm. that's the weak spot of the coverage. So mm-hmm. what needs to happen is your rush has to get there so they don't have time to get to the deep post because that is where you're most vulnerable. You'd love for Kareem to be running with him, but, again, he turned his hips the wrong way, and it was just it was over from there. You know, yeah. Was, if, if I'm Baltimore, I'm or Pittsburgh. Pardon me. I'm studying that pretty closely, and trying and trying to mimic that again next week with Claypool and Smith Schuster. And because another that's a concern there going in next week. And something along those lines on the opposite side of the ball that that Pittsburgh will absolutely be looking at is at the end of the game when Pitts or when the Ravens should have been playing prevent defense. They had every single guy at the line of scrimmage with Drew, and that is something that teams will absolutely pick up, and that's on that's something teams is, are going to do is they're going to say, we're just going to pressure the heck out of Drew if he's the quarterback, and that may be the biggest concern for me if Drew's the quarterback moving forward. So, so that just reminded me of that on the opposite side there. Anything yeah. else uh, Anything else that was notable out there? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm all with, – with Garrett Bowles, he's come kind of a long way in terms of uh, how he's handled things. I mean, he – Put, he put the blame on himself in a way that you don't often see. Quote, I'm really angry with myself, unquote. Play today, quote, just just unacceptable. And you know, and you know what? I mean, he's actually kind of, he's not, actually not wrong on this. I mean, uh, he's, of course, when the protection was breaking down there on the drive where Teddy got hurt late in the first half, Bowles looked like he was on skates at times. And so, uh, really... Not a good, not a good game for Garrett Bowles, and uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, through four games, um, definitely not playing at an All-Pro level and or a level of a seventeen million dollar a year guy. He needs to step it up. I would say of Garrett, I feel the same way about him as I feel about Cortland and Tim Patrick today. It's just like mm-hmm. with the injuries around you, we needed more from you today, and the Broncos didn't get it. Well, and then I have to ask you guys, what's your concern level with Justin Simmons? Because last week, obviously, Bleacher Report put out a ridiculous article saying he should have been benched. No one's saying that that should be the case. But today, he has a textbook PBU. I mean, just absolutely perfect diving. And then the very next two plays, he gives up huge plays to Mark Andrews. Uh, How concerned are you with Justin Simmons, the the second highest paid safety in the league right now? Uh, Not too concerned. And I I think part of it is that... um, if you start getting healthier on the back end, 
perhaps he's not going to be going up against a tight end like that that very often. I mean, they to you know Mark Andrews is going to make a lot of people look silly. I mean, some sometimes it's okay. Hey, the other guy, other teams have guys too, and they get. You know, it's kind of cliche. They get paid as well. Blah 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 blah. And Andrews, I mean, he had I believe he made another play at the expense of Green Jackson as well in the game. I mean, they, they just kind of they, they had a, a moment. They they picked at him. But again, you know, Simmons had the PBU. He had he had the safety blitz that got the Broncos off off the field early in the game. I mean, he did make some good plays. He did make some good plays out there today. To, to no be fair, the, to be fair yeah. though, Mace, I mean, there's. You have to play four more games against the elite tight ends and Darren Waller yeah. and Travis Kelsey, and those guys are better than Mark Andrews. And they are, yeah. And but yes, you are, you, but you are hopefully going to have Ronald Darby back, and you're going to be able to put Pat Sertan on those tight ends, which was your initial plan to begin with. That is just, I mean, that's putting a ton, a ton on a rookie if, if you're not comfortable with your high, the highest paid safety in the NFL, the second highest paid safety in the NFL. I, I, I just I was concerned that he got beat twice back-to-back plays. Yeah, well, and Sertan got, gave up a lot of catches today, Lamar too. was not afraid to throw his way. And I like that he's he's usually in the right place, you know yep. what I'm saying? Like, um, he's usually not getting burned, yep. but he's giving up a little too much uh, right now in terms of catchers he'll get there he's young he's a rookie but if you're if you're talking about using him to take away Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller those guys you know they'll take 8 yards at a time all day long with those guys yep exactly um, and then yeah right. and he had Kyle Fuller i mean make it you know he he went for the ball on that one play and whiffed and it turned a you know 15 yard catch into a, i believe it was a 30 yard gain i mean there's there's not anybody in the secondary today you can point to and say hey you had a great game uh, anything? Any last thoughts, Mace? Before we let you go. I mean, if you're if you're the if you're the Broncos, I mean, the quicker you get past this, the better. But I'm kind of with you guys on this. That you put so much on this game. You had Von Miller calling it like a playoff game. You've 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 got to do basically. It's like a forest fire. You've got to find a way to contain this thing. Turn the page. Move on. Get past it. That, I think that's the that's going to be the story of this week. Can they avoid letting this thing linger? Because they haven't had high leverage games in a long time, and here they had probably the highest leverage game they've had since uh, the end of the 2016 season. And they and and for reasons within their control, some reasons outside of their control, they 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 face planted today. So how do you get up and get and get past that? And if they can find a way to do that in the next seven days. Yeah, this isn't a vintage Pittsburgh team that they're going to face next Sunday, but you know what? If you go to Heinz Field and get a dub, it doesn't matter if it's a great Steeler team or a mediocre one. You've accomplished something, and that'll if they do that, the taste of this game is gone, and that's on to the Raiders. And it'll be something that they, they didn't do the last couple times they started mm-hmm. hot in 2016 and 2017 is actually rebound and show that they can get out of this losing quickly. Yep. All right, Mace, we appreciate the insights as always. We'll look forward to uh, reading what you got for us on the DMVR.com later. All right, thanks, guys. All right, uh, okay, we got a super chat. There it is from the Oso Blanco. Uh, problem with this prove it game is they showed no fight. Uh, got Get off the ropes once in a while. Less than two. I can't see that because there's something over it. Two score game, and it felt impossible. It did. It, it did. It was crazy to near the end of the game saying if the Broncos hold to field goal, there's 13 points or 13 minutes left in this game. They're only down two possessions, but it just it felt way more daunting than that. Yeah, unfortunately, the the first three games of the season haven't felt anything like my buffs, 
And this one felt a little bit like it, where it's like, wow, 90 passing yards. Really? That's it? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know how they're going to score uh, two times. Mm. Also, the punts, I just can't handle the you got to go for it once in a while. Uh, Vic said if those third downs, third and longs would have become manageable, he, w he planned on going for it a lot on fourth down. You know what's really not manageable? What? Scoring without the ball. That's true. That's tough. Not manageable at all. <laughs> so you're an all for it. You're an all or nothing guy. You, you, play, to, you, you play to win you, the game. What is there, six minutes left in the game? You're down two scores? Yeah. You're punting the ball? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you're And then your punter the can't pin them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 25-yard punts. Occasionally, yeah, that's not gonna cut it. No, not gonna cut. and and again, like just put them inside the ten at least. Don't give them the touchback in that situation, especially. Like your only chance there is quick three and out from the you know the one or two yard line and get the ball back and score quick. And I mean, speaking of no fight, the Ravens finished the game twenty three unanswered points. Broncos went up seven zero. Ravens scored the rest of the points throughout the game. All right, let's finish on a high note here. What is this the single thing that gives you the most hope moving forward? The running game, and that's something we needed to see, Ryan. We knew that Teddy Bridgewater couldn't play at the level he was playing at for the entire season and carry this team. And you know what? We found today, yep, that's very much the case. He, he's not going to play that way throughout 17 games. It, has he been? Is he still a good quarterback for this team right now? Yes. Is he MVP? I'm sorry for your bet that you placed, Ryan, but mm. the MVP odds aren't looking good for Tough. him. And we had to see the running game uh, improve, and we did uh, – just Pat Shermer said, I don't really want them to have a good game. So he, he really let off the gas. But at least we saw the flash from both Gordon and Javante. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, you? Positive? It's over? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, that game is over. Throw the tape away. No, actually, you need that tape desperately. Yep. Um, positives, I think this team is going to get healthier. Uh, and that's a, you know, I'll touch wood on that because football is so fickle when it comes to injuries, but you are going to get Jerry Judy back. I know it just, that almost feels like it happened a year ago yep. when, when Jerry went down, but you are going to get Jerry back. You are going to get Ronald Darby back. You are going to get Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow back eventually. So this team should get healthier. Um, if, if today's, you know, we hope that today is the worst it, it gets for them in yep. terms of injuries. Yep. Obviously, there's a couple guys you aren't getting back. Isang Bassi is going to be back eventually. Michael Ojemudia is going to be back eventually. So they should get healthier. I don't think you saw the real Broncos today. And again, I think this was a game plan game, especially for the Broncos on offense versus the Ravens defense. They didn't come with a good game plan. It's really hard to get out of a good game or a bad game plan when that's what you've prepped for all week. Uh, so again, I think that there's a lot to be hopeful for, but we'll talk about it a lot this week. This Steelers game is very, very <laughs> yes, important. Again, we will talk about that all this week on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Before we get out of here, a shout-out to MSU Denver Online one last time. msudenver.edu slash online, where you can scope out all they have to offer. The best place to go if you're looking to work a full-time job and further your education. msudenver.edu slash online. Check them out. Appreciate you guys all for listening. Appreciate uh, our live viewers here yes, in the bar. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow.
Say.